recipe for a good day brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores, your neighborhood store. Why fight the lines at the big box chains when Little General Convenience Stores has what you need? Selling only the best quality brands like Gorelick Farms, Boston Salads, Prepared Foods, KM, and Purdue. Little General also sells lottery, tobacco products, and yes, of course, your stop for your daily newspapers. Weekly specials change every Monday, so check online at littlegeneral.com for this week's specials. Plus, littlegeneral.com is the place to go for the delicious recipes you heard here on a recipe for a good day. So whether you're picking up food or products for your home, or if you're looking for food or coffee on the go, shop your neighborhood store. Little General Convenience Stores, open eight days a week. for a good day. It is your weekly food get-together brought to you by Low General Convenience Stores. We're the convenience store with more. There's one in your neighborhood if you look around. Of course, quality. The first priority of Low General Convenience Stores. And they have some great specials we're going to tell you about this week. And that's going to lead us into some discussions with some of those food items. We're going to take you through Philadelphia for a specific food item. I think you might figure it out. We're going to utilize the chicken leg quarters on sale with a Tuscan chicken Creamy Tuscan chicken, easy to cook all in one pan. And uh, yes, time allows we'll even get into a little seafood discussion today. And of course, a new edition of Reynolds Wrap. And we're going to revise, uh, at the starting point, really, a feature we used to do called Seasonings Greetings. Taking a look at the seasonings you use in your cooking process. So the show continues. Of course, if you have a topic or a question, you can always send it to askthechef at WNRI.com. But more importantly, if you have a recipe you want to share, with us. Maybe you're making something on your weekend and you say, this is fantastic. I'm going to share it with Recipe for a Good Day. We would appreciate it. Uh, We have a lot of ground to cover today on the program. So let's get to the specials that are available. Now, these specials are good now through close of business on Sunday at all Little General locations. So any of the Little General locations you can walk into and buy the chicken leg quarters deal for 89 cents. 89 cents a pound for the chicken leg quarters. And these are Little General quarters. What does that mean? Nice, big, meaty size. A good, handsome amount of skin. If you want to buy some, freeze them. You're going to be in that soup season real soon. And these are perfect, easy to debone when you are making a nice chicken soup and a lot of handsome uh, bone and skin for great flavor, not only on your plate, but also 
in your soups. We are going to talk about that skin as well. Skin or no skin? What's the skinny on the skin? We're going to break that down for you on today's program. Sandwich steak on sale, five ninety nine a pound. And it is a little general, lean, nicely sliced. And with that, we are going to talk about some Philly cheesesteak uh, sandwiches you can make, again, right at your home. But we're going to make sure you're authentic because Philadelphia residents are really touchy about their Philly cheesesteak. And we're going to tell you how to make a nice, authentic, real deal Philly cheesesteak sandwich with the sandwich steak on sale for $5.99 a pound. Other specials this week include from Smithfield, Virginia ham for $4.89 a pound. Hummel Brothers continues with the oven roasted roast beef sale. Eight eighty nine a pound. Hummel Brothers also has the classic oven brown turkey breast still on sale for eight eighty nine a pound. From Lando Lakes, it's Swiss cheese. It'll go great with that Virginia ham. Five eighty nine a pound for Lando Lakes Swiss cheese from the deli at Little General Convenience Stores. Boston salads chips in this week with the sale items of chicken and broccoli. Panini, that is $7.89 a pound. And Apple Crisp, a wonderful dessert this time of year, $6.89 a pound. And remember, at Royal General Convenience Stores, you can get the Simply Potatoes, assorted flavors, for only $3.99. Now, this is quick and easy during the week. Maybe you have leftovers. And, and this happened to me the other night. I made a meatloaf. The next day, I had leftovers. Meatloaf, but no potatoes. And I didn't want to have to go through the drama. So I just popped one in the microwave. And you know what? It did the trick for a nice, quick, easy lunch. Three ninety nine at Little General Convenience Stores everywhere. And don't forget to have that great coffee locally roasted at Little General. And, of course, please consider picking up your Lucky Autumn Fest button at one of the many Little General locations. And that means we are just about ready to get into our first segment of the day. And that is going to involve that sandwich steak we mentioned, five ninety. $99 a pound. And we're going to talk Philly cheesesteak, the ins and outs. We're going to keep it authentic here on today's program. We got some great tips for you as well. But before we get there, another message from World General Convenience Stores. Recipe for a good day brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores with locations for your shopping needs throughout the Blackstone Valley. Two-in-one socket, Manville Road and Cumberland Hill Road. Great Road, North Smithfield, Chapel Street in Boroughville and Central Avenue in Pawtucket. Always hot, always fresh coffee stations to get your day started. Grab and go meals perfectly prepared for you, whether it's for an easy lunch to get you through your work day or to make an easy, satisfying dinner to end your day. And of course, delicious deli items from top-of-the-line lunch meats to top-of-the-line steak and chicken products. Oh, and of course, always fresh ground hamburg. Stay up to date on each week's sale items by going online at littlegeneral.com. Your convenience store with more. Little General, where you always get a smile, a please, and a thank you. Open every day, including today. Proud sponsors of Recipe for a Good Day, Little General Convenience Stores.
let's talk that Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Of course, one of the most infamous sandwiches in the country. And cheesesteaks do have some slight variations from place to place. Uh, there are some things that really matter for an authentic Philly cheesesteak. And right off the bat, number one, never, now this is going to shock you, never have green peppers on them. That is something that probably started at chain restaurants, and uh, we're talking places like uh, Chili's and so on. But if you order a cheesesteak and it has bell peppers on it, eat something else, it is not a Philly cheesesteak. The bread always has to be good. The bread really matters. You got to find a nice, soft, hoagie roll that is light and airy inside and just slightly crusty on the outside. Not a baguette, not uh, crusty at all, but the king of the cheesesteak rolls in Philly is a roll called Amorosos. Now, do not mayonnaise your Philly cheesesteak sandwich and uh, cook the meat and onions in an oil, usually a soybean or canola oil. Now, the oil, yes, it may not be the healthiest way to do it, but that's how it's done in Philly for all that flavor, flavor, flavor. Um, and cheeses matter as well. You're going to have to choose your cheeses. Uh, you have a little bit of liberty here. Now, here's one that's going to surprise you. It is Cheese Whiz. It's a huge thing there out in Philly. Now, locals can't have their cheesesteak in Philly without the, they call it whiz, cheese whiz, that melted, gooey, uh, salty flavor of cheese. Uh, you can use provolone, usually regular provolone. When you start getting into sharp provolone, you, you moved into another type of sandwich. Uh, and American cheese, it doesn't have as much flavor but it does uh, melt very nice. Now, the provolone is good, but the cheese whiz, it's an interesting choice. But that's how they do it in Philly with a real cheesesteak experience. Um, and, hey, the kids love cheese whiz, don't they? Uh, now, here's, an, here's a few tips for you for your cheesesteak. One, you're going to need more salt and pepper than you think. Don't waste time using freshly ground pepper. You want the regular old black pepper from the tin can. Uh, again, frying the onions in oil. Uh, don't skip that method. Now, cheesesteak. Uh, in itself isn't necessarily the most healthiest food on the planet, but it's like birthday cake. If you want it to taste good uh, and you want it the way it's supposed to be done, you're going to fry the onions in a little bit of oil. Now, the onions always go with the fried onions. Um, you can get them, you can put them on raw. I know, like when we get our New York style wieners up here, it's a raw Verdalia. Um, but, you know, let the flavor go. Let the juices come out. Let the natural sugars come out of those onions. Uh, some places will dice the onions throughout Philadelphia as well, um, probably for eating purposes. But, you know, super thin sliced onions sauteed in the pan. That's what you want to do. Hot peppers, always a good option. Usually called hots on the circuit of Philadelphia cheesesteaks. So you can use some hot pepper relish or some other sort of a pickled hot pepper. Uh, there is a gluten-free option. I know that is a growing uh, trend in the food industries. But uh, you can uh, use a gluten-free bread if you do choose for your health purposes. That shouldn't make too much of a difference in the taste. Uh, the hoagie rolls uh, can be gluten-free, sandwich rolls, whatever you want to use there. Now, the low-carb option. Philly cheesesteak, stuffed peppers take all the goodness of the classic Philly cheesesteak recipe and ditch the bread. And you're going to take that mixture we're going to talk about when we're cooking it and just put it inside a pepper and bake it. Kind of like... Um, like we do with, with rice mixture in Hamburg, except you're going to use the Philly cheesesteak ingredients. And a griddle or a cast iron, the best way to cook, 
of Hot Top Girl, of course. Uh, I realize most people don't have one. I have a I have a, a piece that goes on top, and it's a big, wide, flat one with that center, that new type of center thing that sits right on the burner and helps disperse the heat. It's great for pancakes. You can get flat pans if you do look. I got mine, actually, at a thrift shop. So if you go through any thrift shops, make sure you do visit the kitchen area. You'd be surprised how new some of these products are. Uh, I just pick up a roasting pan there as well. So keep an eye on those thrift shops, especially for those older type flat skillet pans used to use for pancakes and so on. I'm glad I got one and you'll be too. Now, now cooking the, uh, the, the cheesesteak, let's get into what you're really going to need here for a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Um, we are going to use yellow onions here. Uh, we're going to use, now for this sandwich, uh, we're going to make servings for four. So we're going to use two extra large yellow onions, diced or sliced thin, however you want to slice them. Um, I would, I would go with the rounds myself. That's just a nice look on the sandwich. Uh, you can use uh, two pounds here of the sandwich steak. Get on sale for five ninety nine a pound, and uh, you want a nice, a thinly sliced one, um, and cut that into two pieces each. Then you're going to use two teaspoons of salt. Two teaspoons of black pepper. Of course, you're going to need your, ho- your, your, your sandwich rolls or your bread, whichever you're going to use. Uh, you can go with a torpedo. You can go with a round roll uh, and, and your provolone cheese. And don't forget what? The whiz. That's right. You need the whiz for that authentic taste. So first thing you're going to do, you're going to peel. You're going to dice those onions. Um, you can slice your meat up into uh, strips if you wish. However you want to cook that uh, that steak hamburger. If it's already shredded, you're in the best. But you can go ahead and shred up the... So, so this way here, when you bite into it, you're not pulling that whole flat round piece of steak out. It is nicely sliced up and ready to go. The, um, the, the rolls, you're going to slice three-quarter of the way through them from the curved side. And then you can gather some cheese slices, some salt and pepper now. And we're going to use the... Uh, you're going to use your oil again to fry those onions. Two to three slices of provolone in each roll gives a nice base and helps the, uh, the those juices collect in the cheese instead of hitting the bread and then falling apart on you. So it actually protects the bottom of that sandwich from splitting open. Now, if you want the cheese super melty, of course, place cheese slices directly on top of the cooked meat and onion just before bringing it on top of the roll. I say a little bit of each, a little bit, maybe a little American in the pan, maybe a little provolone in the roll. Why not? And of course, you got to have the little cheese whiz on the top. Uh, you're going to heat up your griddle and pan over medium heat. Once it's hot, uh, you're going to put about two tablespoons of the avocado oil on that pan and, and put the onions in here. Cook the onions first. And if you have to, uh, you, you can uh, get something to try to do it in one pan is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if you had to do it in two pans to speed it along, I guess you could cook your meat. But that pan is going to get all that onion flavor in it. So when you're cooking the meat, it's going to just suck it right in. As the juices of the steak goes out, that onion juice goes right in. And you're only going to cook them for a few minutes. Again, you're using a medium heat here. So it's going to cook quick, especially if you cut them thin. Uh, add in the meat, though. Once you get that translucent uh, see-through onion strip, you can go ahead put that meat in there and let the onions and the juices continue to cook in that oil, of course. 
constantly moving it around, breaking it up into smaller pieces if you can. Once all that pink is gone, then you're going to sprinkle that meat and onion mixture generously with the salt and pepper. You're going to separate it into piles for each individual cheesesteak. This should give four nice Philly cheesesteaks. One thing, if you've ever seen a real one on the streets of Philly, they're not exactly very thin. It's, it's a meaty sandwich. And you are going to separate them and get in each pile for the cheesesteak. Uh, you can slap a piece of extra cheese on top if you wish. Uh, allow it to cook. Uh, let that cheese melt in. Again, just carefully. Become, don't burn yourself. Move it over. But don't forget, you are cooking red meat. So you're going to want the sandwich to rest. You're going to want the juices to combine. You're going to want that cheese to melt. So give it a good five minutes once it does hit that pan. And, of course, don't forget... Use your cheese whiz as a final topping, and you have yourself an authentic, genuine Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Now, if you're a Philly native, maybe you can help somebody in the Blackstone Valley. Did I miss anything? If I did on a real street-level Philly cheesesteak sandwich, let me know. Ask the chef at WNRI.com. I'd love to let the listeners know if there's any difference between what we said here and what the authentic on-the-street Philly cheesesteak is. But it's amazing up here how many um, do, especially the chains. They come with green peppers, but not part of the folklore of the infamous Philly cheesesteak sandwich. So we are going to step away here for just a moment, and we are going to have a new Reynolds wrap and a seasonings greetings taking a look at the spices we use in the kitchen so let's go with the reynolds wrap right after this quick promotion on how you can hear this in past editions of recipe for a good day oh fully i forgot to listen to recipe for a good day how do i go shopping now what's on sale this week i don't know what to feed funky the monkey well anna marie we have you covered all at littlegeneral.com that's where you can find out what's on sale this week at all Little General locations. And now can listen to past editions of Recipe for a Good Day. Just go to LilGeneral.com. You'll see the tab for the weekly flyer. Click that. You'll see the specials this week at all Little General locations. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see the link to listen to Recipe for a Good Day. So if you miss a show or are unable to write down a recipe, now you can go listen anytime at your time at LilGeneral.com. That Reynolds wrap right here, Betty? You betcha, Pat. Reynolds wrap makes this whole cooking and cleanup thing so easy. Reynolds wrap makes good food better. The great thing about Reynolds wrap is it's the one wrap you can depend on. Just a little Reynolds wrap can do more for a woman than any other wrap. Southern New England can arguably be considered America's capital of seafood. Try and find equally world-class sources of calamari from Rhode Island waters, clams from Ipswich, Mass, Maine lobsters, finfish from Connecticut, and you know all the rest. I contend that consumers in our area are tremendously blessed with the freshest delicacies from the deep due to its perfect natural conditions and sustainability of the items at hand. However, are you as familiar with seafood safe as you are with how to prepare coquille Saint-Jacques or grilled tuna? We can take minor hints from our favorite restaurants or seafood departments in our favorite grocers. But it's better to be familiar with home-based safety tips to ensure your family is treated with the finest selections on your dinner table. Whatever your relationship is with your fishmonger, here are some things you should know about to ensure you possess freshness as the greatest ingredient. Number one, establish a regular if not frequent rapport 
more with an in-town fishmonger. They know every nuance of seafood safety, the fishermen from when they get their products, proper storage techniques, recipes, and handling. Their daily survival depends on this knowledge. Number two, take a look at the texture of your fish fillet or shellfish. It should look firm, not slimy, and with a uniform color. Number three, use your sense of smell. Fresh seafood smells like the ocean, not like stinky fish. If it has enough smell, it's hung around too long, and you know what to do with it. Number four, cook all your seafood at the same time. So if you have leftovers, you can make a wonderful chowder the next day. And number five, if you must freeze your fish before cooking, tightly wrap it in plastic wrap, then in an opposite direction with aluminum foil, and put a dated sticker with the name of the product on it before you freezing. This wrapping method will dramatically cut down on freezer burn. Using this technique with freezer-friendly foods on a regular basis will help you maintain a proper food inventory. Now, there's a lot more to consider, but for now, these are the basic things to know about buying, storing, preparing, and serving the absolute freshest from our ocean's bounty. We'll continue a more in-depth look at why seafood is that different than any other protein. For Recipe for a Good Day, sponsored by Little General Stores, I'm Johnny Reynolds, and that's it's a wrap. Reynolds wrap. Wouldn't you hate to be without it? One night on the round, taking the hand. He locked up the barnyard with the graves of can. Out in the hen house, up and stood. When he hollered, who's that? This is what he heard. Ain't nobody here but us chickens. Ain't nobody here at all. So quiet except to stop that fuss. Ain't nobody here but us. We chickens try to sleep and you bust in and hobble, 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 hobble with your chin. Ain't nobody here but us chickens. Ain't nobody here at all. You're stomping around, shaking the ground, kicking up an awful fuss. Oh yeah. We chickens try to sleep and you bust in. Bust in, and you're going to love the Little General Convenience Store special this week. The chicken leg quarters on sale, 89 cents a pound. Nice meat, nice skin, and a nice bone in as well. You're going to want to probably buy some, freeze some. Remember, it'll last a good three months, so it'll take you well into soup season. Now you never know how prices are going to go, but 89 cents, a great deal for the chicken leg quarters. That's drumstick and thigh. We're going to talk about uh, making a dish in a moment, but let's talk about the skin. And that wonderful, one of the things about little general stores is they come with a handsome amount of skin to leave the skin on or to cut the skin out. That is the question. Now, the chicken skin isn't that, you know, has does have calories. So if you're really trying to eliminate every calorie, it does have uh, calories. But um, a 12-ounce uh, skinless uh, chicken uh, contains only 50 calories less than the chicken with the skin on for the same serving size. Uh, and it's long believed the chicken skin can damage your heart, which many people tend to avoid it. But the skin of the chicken is actually a little more heart-friendly than you think because it consists mainly of fat, yes, but it is unsaturated. The majority of it is unsaturated fat. So the fat can be beneficial for maintaining your heart in a good health if you're not getting in other methods. And also, uh, blood pressure and cholesterol as well as balancing your hormone levels. And 
and it doesn't absorb that much oil. When you cook it at a high temperature, you'll make the food uh, very oily. Unfortunately, the skin works as a barrier that will prevent the excess amount of oil to reach the inside of the chicken. So the oil acts as a crust that kind of prevent that moisture from going inside. So that's why uh, you should always cook the chicken with its skin. And if you want to take it off for eating, that's fine. The other reason you should always leave it on is that's where the flavor is. That's why you want it for your soups. And you boil it until it's just about dissolved. The skin of that chicken is full of flavor. Don't require any extra salt to improve its taste either. So the consumption of too much amounts of salt though, can lead to health problems. But the, the skin of the chicken, that's where all the flavor is. And if you want to take it off when you eat, that's fine. A little extra tip there. If you do remove the chicken and you're looking to cut some of that out, uh, it's good to pat dry the outer part of the chicken. But your chicken, if you, if you do take the skin off before cooking, it is going to likely dry out. It's a much more difficult cook. Um, so uh, seasoning the skin, though, is a great way to do it. Uh, again, pat it dry before seasoning the skin, before baking, if you're going to do that. Uh, it helps the seasoning actually stick to the skin, actually, believe it or not, if it's dry. The salt, most important ingredient when it comes to uh, seasoning the chicken skin, sprinkle a little culture or sea salt over the skin, nicely covered evenly. Um, you can add other spices to the salt, such as paprika, um, garlic powder, onion powder, cumin. Mix all those spices together in a bowl and sprinkle them together over the skin as well. Herbs, rosemary, thyme, sage, all good to uh, to uh, flavor the outside skin. Uh, so get the crispy chicken skin. You're going to cook it at a high temperature. So you're going to roast or bake the chicken probably around 400 or higher to get that nice crisp the chicken skin that you want. Not a fatty, stretchy, chewy chicken skin. Basting the chicken with melted butter during cooking is going to add calories and cholesterol and you want to use unsalted here, but it is going to help keep it uh, extra flavorful. After cooking, of course, you have to let it rest as well, including the skin. Uh, the skin has to rest. Remember, it's part of the chicken, so juices and flavor will actually work its way back into the skin from underneath uh, from that meat. You don't want it to be soggy. That That is not going to make anybody happy. But um, let the chicken rest for a few minutes. You'll notice it. Any soggy parts will become nice and crispy. So let's get into the dish for the chicken. And we're going to be talking about some Tuscan chicken. And this is all one pan. It's going to be a well-seasoned, bone-in chicken drumsticks and thighs, fresh-leaf spinach, cherry tomato, Tomatoes. Uh, if you do have some tomatoes coming off your vine, you can use that as well. Um, especially if those little uh, little heirloom uh, from Bob the Tomato Man, you know who I'm talking about. But these can be nestled in a nice, rich sauce. It's a one-pan dish for an anytime meal. Uh, so let's talk about making that one-pan creamy Tuscan chicken. What ingredients? Well, you're going to need chicken leg quarters. You're looking for three quarters. That'll give you six pieces because we're going to split that and we'll talk about that in a minute. So you have your thigh and drumstick uh, attached. We're going to talk about detaching it. Uh, chicken leg quarters again on sale. 89 cents a pound. Those will be perfect for the dish. Absolutely. Those are the tomatoes. 89 cents a pound again. Uh, you're going to take uh, your knife. No, you're going to need a sharp knife. So make sure your knife is sharpening and you're going to want your good knife. You know, the one that doesn't have a warble to it. A nice, heavy, good, solid knife. Um, and you're going to take that chicken leg quarter, wash it off, 
flip it upside down, skin down, and you're going to try to cut right through that joint bone. It should go right through, and it should separate the thigh from the chicken. Of course, the sharper and better the knife, the easier the cut is. That's one of the big things about having a sharp knife. The and a good heavy knife too. If your if your knife has a wobble to it, uh, do yourself a favor and move on. So the ingredients for the chicken, you're going to season it with some paprika, some black pepper, garlic powder, ground thyme, sea salt, and then you're going to lightly coat the chicken with an all-purpose flour as well. You're going to need fresh spinach, some cherry tomatoes, or some small round tomatoes. Uh, double duty as your veggies. They'll also bring some extra flavor and a nice color to the dish as well. And then you have your sauce. The sauce, is, we're going to whip it together. It's going to be heavy whipping cream, grated Parmesan cheese, uh, minced garlic, butter. And the sauce must be seasoned as well. So we're going to use oregano, parsley flakes, uh, some ground thyme if you have the thyme, onion powder, black pepper, and some sea salt. Now, close up uh, uh, the chicken drumsticks. Um, you have your thighs. You've separated the both of them. Uh, you can leave the skin on. That is fine. And, again, you're going to cut them skin side down right through the joint and it should separate when you do cut the chicken and of course always make sure because you're going to push that thing's going to go right through uh, that you don't have any fingers underneath the knife and that's something I am double checking look twice cut once no band-aids that's my motto and of course use a good knife well we're going to give you the method we're going to give you the ingredients we're going to remind you that this recipe when we're done you can serve it alone but you can serve it with some vegetables maybe a side of rice mashed potatoes you can even go for a, a nice pasta if you will you can pair the chicken with the steamed roasted vegetables to go with a lighter root as well. So we're going to give you it, though, as we have it. The one-pan creamy Tuscan chicken. And again, here's your ingredient list. Uh, you're looking for uh, three whole quarters, which is actually going to give you, uh, again, six pieces of that chicken. Uh, you're going to use four and a half teaspoons of paprika, four and a half teaspoons of black pepper, uh, that's divided, by the way. Uh, three teaspoons of garlic powder. One and a half teaspoons of ground thyme, if you have the thyme, divided it. Uh, one and a half teaspoons of salt, divided. Three quarter cup all-purpose flour. Nine tablespoons of olive oil. Nine tablespoons of butter. Six tablespoons of uh, of uh, uh, minced. If you're not going, if you're going to use cherry tomatoes, just throw the cherry tomatoes in. But if you're going to use uh, bigger tomatoes, maybe from your garden, because you got to use them, they're coming off the vine like crazy. Well, then just go ahead and mince them up. Uh, you can use fresh or, or, or uh, leaf spinach. Uh, you're going to use uh, four and a half cups of heavy whipping cream, three cup Parmesan cheese grated. Two teaspoons of oregano, two teaspoons parsley flakes, and yes, onion powder, one and a half teaspoons. So that is your ingredient list, and I know it's a hefty one. That's why we encourage you to go to littlegeneral.com and listen to the recipes at your pace when you can properly take them down. Now, the instructions is a lot of ingredients, but it's five easy steps, five easy steps here. You're talking about a 23-minute total time cook here. So this is a quick one. Um, you're going to cut the chicken leg quarters at the joint. Again, separate them. Season both sides with the paprika, uh, the black pepper, the garlic powder, the ground thyme, the sea salt, and you coat it evenly with a nice flour. Uh, then you're going to heat up your large pan. You scale it to a nice medium heat. Add in the olive oil. 
cook the chicken for about four to five minutes on each side, remove it from the pan, and set it aside. Then add butter and garlic into the pan. That's only going to cook for about a minute or so. Put those cherry tomatoes in the skillet. Let the juices come out again. That's about another minute or so. And then add in the spinach and cook that spinach and with the garlic and the tomatoes until it begins to wilt. At that point, you can add in that heavy cream in the Parmesan sauce. We're going to work on getting that, that thick creaminess to it before we get the chicken back into the pan. So get the heavy cream, the Parmesan cheese, the oregano, the parsley flakes, uh, that one teaspoon of ground thyme, the onion powder, about a half a teaspoon of black pepper in this mixture, another a quarter teaspoon of sea salt. Stir it all up. Uh, lower the heat to a medium low and let it simmer there for about three to four minutes. And then put the chicken back into the pan. Now you're going to want to make sure, I should have said this at the beginning, that your pan is oven safe because you're going to actually place that whole mixture into the preheated oven at 400 degrees and you're going to bake it uncovered skin side up for about 20 minutes and you should have a nice crispy uh, skin yet in a creamy pan with some great Tuscan flavoring and your guest or your family will be delighted with this one pan dish and know what the spinach is hidden so maybe even the kids eat the spinach on that one and it's an easy peasy you're talking about 23 minutes total uh, total time to, to prep and, and cook this. So this is something you can even make on a weeknight. And according to the nutrition factors, not as heavy, about 804 calories in that meal. So there is the uh, chicken leg quarters talk of the day. The skin, you leave it on, take it off if you want before you eat. And if you do take it off, you might as well give it a pat dry. Make sure that if you're taking it off for the fats that you don't leave it on the skin. But it doesn't transfer into the meat. Uh, chicken skin uh, is interesting because the, the, the flavor will get into the chicken, but the fats really stay uh, with the chicken skin. So there's a look at that. We have one more to go. We're going to be talking a little fish in a moment. But before we do, we have another new feature where Johnny J is going to be talking about seasonings. It's called Seasonings Greetings. And he's going to be talking about all the herbs and spices that we use in our kitchens, giving us some great tips. And he's going to start off at the beginning after this message. If you have a question from your kitchen or a recipe you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Just email the show at asktheshef at WNRI.com. That's asktheshef at WNRI.com. Well, good morning again, my fellow gastronomes. Welcome to the second segment on Recipe for a Good Day, where we can explore the world of cooking with various flavorings from around the world. The world of herbs and spices are equally as recognized in professional and home kitchens, inspiring entire cultures, music, and other values of life. For a refresher, here's the main differences between an herb and a spice. By definition, herbs are usually the leafy parts of a plant and can be sweet or savory in flavor. However, a spice are seedlings obtained from the other parts of a plant, such as fruits and seed, bark, dried buds, a stigma, roots and rhizomes, and resin used in food, flavor, color, or as a preservative. Here's an example of what I mean. The same plant gives us cilantro and coriander. 
Now, we're just using this as a difference between the two. Coriander is the seed. It's a little tiny round ball and can be packed with a very floral scent to them. However, cilantro is the leafy part. It looks a lot like parsley, but tastes very different. In fact, it's very prevalent in Latino and Asian cuisines. Sometimes it's even called Mexican parsley or Asian parsley. But really, the scientific word is cilantro. Herbs can be classified into different types such as culinary, medicinal, sacred, and those used for pest control. Spices are used to flavor and color food and are also often used as remedies for some ailments. Here's some uses and examples. Herbs are mostly from the leaves of plants and used for providing flavor in cooking. There's thyme, lavender, I already mentioned coriander leaves for health purposes. In some cultures and used for pest control, such as mint or peppermint, and can be either fresh or dry. On the other hand, spices that are used to flavor food include coriander, fennel, mustard seed, cinnamon, mace, clove, saffron, ginger, and those used as a treatment for ailments like bay leaf oil, cinnamon, cloves, cumin, fenugreek, and turmeric. And they're usually dried. That's a little flavor. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. Of this segment called Season's Greetings. All right, Johnny, thank you for the Season's Greetings. And he's just getting started. A few basic tips there, and we're going to get started in... tell you what we got cooking we have salmon that's right we're gonna be talking about that pink fish or that nicely colored uh the shirt that men i know i have one people say hey jeff you look handsome in that salmon colored shirt i said where are you headed i said oh, i'm swimming upstream right uh, but when it comes to seafood do you realize that americans love to eat salmon that pink fleshed fish the second most consumed seafood item Throughout the United States, go ahead, take a guess what number one is. You guessed it, shrimp. That's right. Um, the, going back uh, just a couple of years, 2020, for instance, Americans ate about uh, two and a half pounds of, of salmon per person. That's about 15% of the fish that, uh, that, that was uh, consumed. So very popular. But it seems to be love or hate. They love or hate it. But maybe if you're on the edge, we can give you a few tips on how to get it just right. So um, let's give you a few tips here on cooking salmon and getting it right. Number one, remember, all your senses are at play here. Even when you go to purchase the, the, the salmon, look at the uh, premium poor uh, quality fish simultaneously. Look at the difference. 
think that the, uh, you might think color may be the ultimate indicator of, of quality. After all, it's known for that gorgeous color, but it's not the only measurement when buying salmon. Different species do vary in color from light pink to even a deep red orange. So it could just simply be a different fish, not a different quality. So color won't necessarily tell if the fish is absolutely fresh, but it'll tell you what type it is when it's in front of you. So you can do the research. There are actually eight types of salmon that you can research and learn all about. Now, uh, how to know if your salmon is bad? Well, again, we're talking about using all your senses, not just sight. So look for bruises or tears in the flesh. That may indicate that it's old or poorly handled. The flesh and skin should feel wet. It should not be dry. And it shouldn't have any slimy milking coating on it. That is a good sign that your salmon has gone bad. So get your nose involved. Uh, it should not have a fishy scent if it's fresh. But you can smell the fish through the package. Uh, pass on it. Uh, when in doubt, of course, uh, ask them you know, how fresh is this a fish today uh so uh if it's farmed that's okay uh it's not totally uh a bust uh, you have your wild caught and your farm not all farm fish is bad fish wild salmon populations could never keep up with the delays so farming is necessary again frozen sometimes frozen is just better than fresh um that's a fresh fish as the of course Reputation for being superior in quality. It's never been frozen, but, you know, the fact that frozen salmon might actually be fresher than fish that had never been frozen at all. So eating frozen salmon has a lot of benefits to it. Uh, it's typically cheaper as well than fresh and has a lower carbon footprint. So freezing salmon makes it safer to eat uh, if you are eating raw forms, maybe in the sushi form as well. But again, we are going to cook, we are going to cook it after this tip where we soak it in milk. You know how you do that with liver? We're going to do that with the salmon. We're going to soak it in the milk before cooking it. Uh, now, that will remove any real fish odor. When fish is fresh, of course, it should not have that stinky, fishy smell or that strong odor. Uh, that's when it's past its prime. But by putting it in the milk, um, and you know how you do it with uh, with liver to draw the iron out, this this milk marinade will help neutralize any odor and also uh, will remove what is called TMAO. Now, this is a uh, compound you want to get out of the fish that brings the odor. Uh, you can use uh, other ingredients as well. You can use a lemon juice or vinegar that can help eliminate the smell or that little odor. But soaking it in milk is an easy way. You know how to do it because I'm sure you do it when you make your liver and onions. Uh, you are, of course, looking at salt. Salting your fish too early can turn that beautiful piece of salmon into a disappointment. So the uh, salt can dry out the flesh but it can start to cure it as well if you leave it on there for too long. So season the salmon just before cooking it, even uh, the, even after the milk bath, just before it hits the pan. Although the marinades and other seasonings, dry rubs can be used, um, but you, you do want to be careful. Now, marinating a salmon longer than an hour 
will break down the muscle fibers and just create a, mu- a mushy mess. So you're not refrigerating very long. And again, salt just the skin side of the salmon in advance to get the moisture out. And that will give a nice crispy texture as well. So the uh, mysterious white stuff that can appear on your salmon during cooking, it's not fungus. It's not mold. It's caused by the coagulation of the protein that's inside of it. So when it reaches a certain temperature, the muscle fibers contract. It releases that protein it curdles on the surface of the fish which gives you that thick white substance you see don't worry it's safe to eat it's just not visually appealing and you can just slide that right off if you don't want to see that okay so a few extra tips here uh pan the sear the salmon skin side down that is one of the benefits it reduces the likelihood of that unpleasant look to your food so for this reason it's a good idea to always cook salmon skin side down no matter you matter your cooking method but it's especially true when you are on a stovetop which i think as we move into the fall most of you will be uh you can uh sear it skin side down that's the best way to get that extra crispy skin on your salmon as well another tip is that if you salt the skin not the flesh in advance again it'll dry out turning it again crispy when you do cook it skin side down and don't cover the salmon when cooking it baking popular but don't cover it you feel the urge to protect it you want to cover it with aluminum foil protect the flesh from getting too dry but you don't need to with salmon again it's going to release the proteins inside it'll cause the fish to steam instead of roast you might end up with a soggy piece of fish that nobody wants by leaving it uncovered it'll brown the outside and give a nice light crust while the inside will get nice and tender and it's going to take a little longer to bake uh, depending on how hot you set your oven but if you're going to roast uh, say two pounds of of salmon go 400 degrees it should take roughly 20 minutes or so and you're looking for the internal temperature of around 145 degrees and then of course do let it rest so what are we going to do with we talked about pan searing we are going to make a pan seared salmon with a simple dill sauce, of course. And this is a quick and easy uh, recipe, that creamy dill sauce with a cucumber taste, keeps it light and fresh. So you're going to need one tablespoon of canola oil, about uh, four salmon fillets, roughly six ounces each, one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, a quarter teaspoon of salt, a half cup of reduced fat plain yogurt, a quarter cup of reduced fat mayonnaise, a quarter cup of chopped cucumber, hopefully from Helen's garden. Her cucumbers were fantastic this year. And one teaspoon of fresh dill. Now, in a large skillet, heat that oil on a medium-high heat and just sprinkle the salmon with some Italian seasonings and salt and go ahead, put it in the skillet. Again, skin side down. And at that point, reduce the heat to a nice medium and cook it until it begins to flake easily with a fork. It's about five minutes on each side there. Now, meanwhile, get out a small bowl. You're going to combine the yogurt, the mayonnaise, the cucumber, the dill, and you're going to actually serve it with the uh, salmon at that. But again, you're just pan searing this um, skin side down. Uh, you, and you can, again, salt it just before it hits the pan. Don't leave it uh, uh, too long because it will turn into a mushy fish instead of a flaky fish. And nobody wants a flaky fish. So when, it, when, you're, when your fish is cooked, uh, you're talking about 10, 12 minutes, depending on how thick your, your cut of fish is. Uh, you're just going to put the, uh, the dill sauce over the dish and you have a nice, uh, nice complement 
to your salmon. That wonderful pink fish, not just for um, catching. Yes, it's for eating as well. The second most popular, though. Did you know that? That's a surprise to me. I thought for sure like a clams would be. I thought maybe lobster would be. You never knew. But it is, in fact, grilled salmon. Uh, not the whitefish, not the cod, uh, not the flounder. Not the haddock. Very interesting. And it has been a very interesting edition of Recipe for a Good Day today. We do thank you for joining us. So just to review, again, we have the steak sandwich recipe, the authentic Philly cheese steak, and the steak sandwich meat on sale at all little general locations. Now through close of business on Sunday for only $5.99. We had our one-pan creamy Tuscan chicken. Utilizing the chicken leg quarters, and we talked all about that skin 89 cents a pound at all old general locations. Recommended you freeze some for soup season. And and then we had our pan-seared salmon with dill sauce. The other specials at Little General include Smithfield Virginia Ham, 489 a pound. The Hummel Brothers double duo of oven roast beef, oven roasted roast beef, and oven browned turkey breast, $8.89 a pound for both for the Hummel Brothers roast beef and turkey breast. Lando Lake Swiss cheese, just $5.89 a pound. That'll go fine with that Virginia ham. And of course, Boston Salads has two contributions this week. Chicken and broccoli penny for just $7.89 a pound. And apple crisp, $6.89 a pound. And don't forget, you get your coffee locally roasted and brewed ready for you on the go cumberland hill road location you grab your grab and goes and at any location matter of fact make a day of it because they all have different runs make a trip through all the little generals and pick up your autumn fest button as little general one of the great uh, supporters of the autumn fest festival so it's been a very busy program thank you johnny reynolds for the reynolds wrap and the new feature we look forward to exploring the seasonings greetings meanwhile we'll talk to you next Next week, same time, same place, but a whole new menu for you on Recipe for a Good Day. Recipe for a Good Day brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores with locations for your shopping needs throughout the Blackstone Valley. Two-in-one socket, Manville Road and Cumberland Hill Road. Great Road, North Smithfield, Chapel Street in Boroughville and Central Avenue in Pawtucket. Always hot, always fresh coffee stations to get your day started. Grab-and-go meals perfectly prepared for you, whether it's for an easy lunch to get you through your work day or to make an easy, satisfying dinner to end your day. And of course, delicious deli items from top-of-the-line lunch meats to top-of-the-line steak and chicken products. Oh, and of course, always fresh ground hamburg. Stay up to date on each week's sale items by going online at littlegeneral.com. Your convenience store with more. Little General, where you always get a smile, a please, and a thank you. Open every day, including today. Proud sponsors of Recipe for a Good Day, Little General Convenience Stores.